Some time ago, I read a news item about a popular entertainer. And I won't name the entertainer, but suffice to say, he has a wild and crazy reputation. And the gist of the article was an attempt to demonstrate that this man is no one out of the ordinary. He's just like all the rest of us. He leads a normal, responsible life. I wasn't that interested in the article, but there was one quotation that really struck my interest and, and caught my attention. The journalist had found a friend of this entertainer to give a quote, and the friend said, yes, it's true, this man is not as wild and crazy as everyone thinks he is. He's a very responsible person. In fact, the friend said, I would trust him with my, what did he say? Children. Yeah. He said, I would trust him with my children. I found that very instructive. First of all, because that seems to be the bottom line test of responsibility, doesn't it? If you're trusted with somebody's kids, I mean, that's saying something. They really trust you. Am I right? And second, I found it very interesting that trustworthiness is a character trait that can be measured. It can actually be measured. Trustworthiness can be measured by the value of what is entrusted to you. For example, your parents might say, we trust you with the keys to the car, but not with the family credit card. Okay? You can measure your trustworthiness in that manner, right? It's a character trait that can be measured. So many cannot. You might be a happy person. Well, exactly how happy are you? Can you quantify it? You might be a nervous person. Exactly how nervous are you on a scale uh, from one coffee cup to ten coffee cups? How jumpy are you? It's hard to quantify, but trustworthiness can actually be measured. It can be measured by the value of what is entrusted to you. And this morning, as we turn to the Christmas story here in Matthew chapter 1, we're going to read about a man who is very trustworthy. In fact, if you can tr uh, measure trustworthiness based on the value of what is entrusted to a person, this man might be the most trustworthy man outside of Jesus Christ who has ever lived. You see, when God the Father was searching for someone to take care of his own son, whom did he choose? Joseph, the carpenter. What a man. I consider it an honor and a privilege to even speak about and preach about this man, Joseph the carpenter. A remarkable, remarkable example for every one of us. An ordinary man, a common man, and yet a man whom God chose to entrust with uh, the greatest gift that's ever been given to anyone, to watch over his own son. And I think as we study these points this morning, we have to consider our own lives. Are we following this example of Joseph? Are we trustworthy? If it seems in your life, in your spiritual walk, you've lost that sense of destiny, that sense of vision, that sense of eternal mission, you know, the problem is not that God does not want to do something remarkable and world-changing through you. The problem may just be that you aren't ready for it. You're not trustworthy. You're not worthy of caring for the eternal souls that God wants to give you. Let's look at this example, please, of Joseph the carpenter. Understanding first and foremost, just to lay the foundation, Joseph was not the biological father of Jesus Christ. He was just the man who was entrusted with his care. We recognize that Jesus was the Son of God, Emmanuel, God with us, and yet 
In his humanity, his human father had a deep, deep, and profound impact upon his life, as we will see throughout this message. I'd like for you to notice these three points. Joseph was sensitive, Joseph was silent, and Joseph was strong. He was sensitive, he was silent, he was strong. Three character traits that really made up his, his entire uh, characteristic of trustworthiness and, of course, making applications to our own lives. Beginning with point number one, Joseph was sensitive. Joseph was a sensitive man, and that is what allowed him to be trustworthy enough that God could place his own son in his care. Let's begin to read, please, in uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man <clears throat> and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And we'll pause right there. We'll continue to read in just a moment. But notice, please, Joseph was a sensitive man. First of all, he was sensitive to the needs of others. He was sensitive to the needs of others. I've had an opportunity now on more than one occasion to uh, attempt to act the part of Joseph the carpenter in a church drama in two completely different Christmas plays and to study his life and to meditate and reflect on his experiences and to try to put myself in his shoes a little bit. And right from the very beginning of his story, we see that he was an extraordinary man. Here's why. He was engaged to be married to a woman whom he loved. And all of a sudden it was discovered that she was expecting a child. Joseph knew nothing about this. And he had to assume, as did everyone else, that she had been unfaithful. And not unfaithful in a casual, uh, flirtatious manner, in a deeply, deeply grieving way. And what was Joseph's reaction to that situation? He wanted to make sure to take care of her. He was up late at night not thinking about how am I going to justify my name in the community? How am I going to get my story of, of my purity out there? He was up late at night thinking about how can I protect her? I just want to make sure she's not going to be embarrassed in any way. It's point number one in the message, but you know, Already I see Joseph was a better man than most. Who in here could raise your hand and say, sure, if I was engaged to be married and you know, my fiancé was unfaithful in this manner, my first thought would be to make sure that she wasn't embarrassed in any way. Wow, that's extraordinary. What an extraordinary man. He's sensitive to the needs of others, and I have no doubt God the Father looking down from heaven finds a man, and, and he says, this man will take care of my son's mother. No matter what, that's the kind of man that I can trust. Sensitive to the needs of others. I'll tell you a story. I believe this is a true story. It actually happened. There was a farmer's wife who one day invited a friend of hers to come over and join her for lunch. And they were sitting there in the kitchen in the farmhouse enjoying the meal together. And as they sat there, the farmer himself came in 
from uh, working outdoors, doing chores outside. And as he came in, his, his dirty work boots tracked mud and dirt and debris all across the formerly pristine kitchen floor. And as he went through, the friend leaned over to the farmer's wife and said, Well, your husband's boots sure bring in the dirt, don't they? And she just smiled and picked up a broom and said, Yes, but they bring him in too. Now, what are those kind of BCM students? The kind of BCM students who aren't worried about being treated fairly, who are really deeply concerned about others' needs, no matter what, no matter what, even if they're misunderstood and mistreated. And it's just us here today, so I want to talk to you about this because I'm afraid a lot of students come here to prepare for a life of ministry, and the whole time you're just so passionate about fair treatment. Fair treatment being treated fairly. That's no way to prepare for a life of ministry. Consider the story, please. If Joseph had been passionate about fair treatment, do you realize the whole story would have ended right there? Do you realize the rest of the New Testament wouldn't exist? Now, of course, it's not completely legitimate to propose situations like that. This is all part of God's divine plan, but what a man. What a remarkable man. And I wonder what aspect of God's plan for your life is being completely shut down because you're passionate about fair treatment instead of being sensitive to others' needs. Joseph was sensitive. Joseph was a sensitive man. Not just sensitive to the needs of others, but I want to point out as well he was sensitive to God's voice. Joseph was a man who was sensitive. He was sensitive to God's voice. He was in tune with the voice of the Lord. It's just interesting to me as a little footnote in this message that this Joseph the carpenter had a father named Jacob. That reflects, I think, pretty clearly the Old Testament. Joseph, a well-known character who had a father named Jacob. That Old Testament Joseph was known as a dreamer. He had two dreams in particular that are recorded for our benefit. Now this New Testament Joseph is also a dreamer. Four times, four times in this brief history of Joseph's life in the beginning of the Gospels, God spoke to him in dreams and visions. This was a man who was in tune with God's voice. God could get his attention, you see. And God said, who am I going to entrust with the life of my precious son? He said, I need somebody who's in tune with my voice. When I need to get his attention, I've got it. Do you recognize the voice of the Lord? Or do you find yourself confused sometimes, not able to discern which voice of the many voices that comes your way is God's voice? You know, we can easily identify voices that we pay attention to. We can easily identify voices that we spend time with. Does it shock you when I tell you that I can pick out the voices of my children from a room full of children making noise? Does that surprise you? No, because I spend a lot of time with them, and when I do, I focus on their voices. Some time ago, I was sitting in my office doing some work, and I heard outside in the hallway, I heard a sound of some keys jingling, just like that. Jingle, jingle. That was it. And in a split second, I said, my wife is here. And a split second later, I said, no, that's silly. That was just the sound of some keys, just somebody's keychain. It could be anybody. And a moment later, my wife came in. You see, I recognized her by the sound of her keychain. It's funny, but uh, we recognize those things that we spend a lot of time with. We recognize those voices. We recognize those sounds that we pay attention to. 
And I wonder if you're a little confused about God's voice to you today. I don't think the problem is is that the Spirit is not speaking to the church. I think the problem is we don't have ears to hear what He is saying. We don't spend time. We don't focus. We're not used to His voice. We're not sensitive. Like this man, Joseph. Joseph the carpenter. Sensitive to, uh, to the needs of others and sensitive to God's voice. Do you give God's voice time? Do you give God's voice focus among all the many other voices that come your way? I I ask you this morning, what is it that you pay more attention to on a daily and a weekly basis than the voice of God? Joseph was sensitive. Number two, he was silent. Joseph was silent. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 1. Let's read a few more verses and continue our study. So you see the situation. Joseph is considering this apparent unfaithfulness of Mary. He's wondering what to do. He wants to protect her and protect her feelings. Suddenly, in a dream at night, an angel appears to him and begins giving him this this amazing news about who uh, Jesus will be. And verse 22, Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which, being interpreted, is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him. And we'll pause right there. We'll pick up the rest of the passage in just a moment. The story of Joseph is mentioned in the Gospels in Matthew chapter 1, Matthew chapter 2, Matthew chapter 13 he's mentioned, Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 2, in Luke chapter 3. I've taken some time to study through and record all of the words of Joseph that are found in the Gospels, and I'd like for you to write this down. Are you ready? I'm going to give you all of the words of Joseph recorded in the Bible. Okay? You ready for this? There's absolutely nothing. Nothing. No words of Joseph. That is remarkable. You say it's coincidence. I say, no, it's not coincidence. It's by design. First of all, Every part of the Scripture is designed by the Holy Spirit. What's there and what's not there is there and not there for a reason. If there's any character written by any author in any piece of literature, it's more natural to have that character give words and dialogues than not to do so. I want you to consider, I invite you to tell me some other man in the Bible who's mentioned in six different chapters and not a single word of his is recorded. Can you do that? I want you to think about the other characters associated with the Christmas story. And I want you to consider that they all had something to say in the Bible, except for Joseph. Joseph's silence is unique. He was a silent man, as his story is recorded in Scripture, and that is unique. The other Christmas characters, Mary, she had something to say. Elizabeth, many words of hers are recorded. Zacharias, yes. Simeon, yes. Even Anna, we don't have her exact words, but the Bible tells us that she spoke. Who else? The shepherds, did they, did they say anything? Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to... Okay, sure. How about the wise men? We have seen a star in the east and are come to... Okay. How about King Herod? You know, they all had something to say except for Joseph. That's remarkable. His silence is unique. I want you to look in your Bible. If you've got a Bible right here, I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 1 <clears throat> and compare Joseph's example to these other characters. Now Joseph has this unusual experience. An angel shows up and begins talking to him about some miraculous uh, birth that is about to take place. 
But that's not the only time that that happened during the Christmas story. Look at Luke chapter 1, verse 18. Same thing happened to a man named Zacharias. The angel appeared to him, gave him this news of this miraculous birth, and uh, look at the third word of the verse. And Zacharias what? Zacharias said. You see, his immediate response was to ask a question. Now, I don't mention that because I blame him. I would have done the same thing. I think Zacharias is a remarkable Bible character, worthy of uh, being imitated. But when the angel came and gave him instructions, he, he said, he asked a question. Go a little bit farther in the chapter, Luke chapter 1. It's right around verse 34. The same thing happens with Mary. An angel appears, begins to give her this remarkable news about a, a different, miraculous birth. Gives her this news, and, and then Mary, what? Said. Her first response was to ask a question. Again, I don't, I don't blame her. It appears that her question was motivated more by faith than the question of Zacharias. Okay. It's a question, though. She said, now go back to Matthew chapter 1, will you? Matthew chapter 1, and go to verse 24, the verse that we just stopped reading. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 1, verse 24, and tell me what comes next when I stop reading. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did. And that's what makes this man special. His silence was unique. Everyone else had to have more information. <laughs> Not Joseph. When he was told, he did. He did. Where's the BCM students like that? The BCM students who don't need to sit and think about it for a minute, who don't need to question or even to criticize, who don't need to schedule an appointment with the dean to get more clarification about the rule, who when they're told, they do who when they're given instructions, they follow instructions. Do you know that was a rare character trait 2,000 years ago? And it's still rare. It's rare in this room right here. When we're told to do something, what do we do? Do we say or do we do? Joseph did. Was that just his personality? Is that just something interesting to study in the Bible story? Just, you know, he was a strong, silent type. And so, okay, that's who he was. It's just, just intriguing to understand that about Joseph. No, I want to point this out as well. His silence was not only unique in comparison with all these other characters, his silence was powerful. The silence of Joseph was powerful. Four times God spoke to him. As described in the gospel story, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 25, Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 15, Matthew chapter 2, verses 19 through 21, and Matthew chapter 2, verses 22 through 23. Four times God spoke to Joseph and gave him instructions. All four times Joseph immediately obeyed without questioning, and all four times Joseph fulfilled Old Testament prophecy. When he obeyed God's instructions... He fulfilled Old Testament prophecy. Now, what part of God's eternal plan for your life is not happening because you're not simply obeying? How different would this story be if God had not found this man who, when he was told, he did? He just simply obeyed. You may remember these words of Scripture. Let every man be swift to hear, 
slow to speak. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man. Who wrote those words? James. Who is James? Joseph's son. And I don't know this, but I just imagine James being led by the Holy Spirit to write these words and reflecting and thinking, that's just like Dad. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak. Let's be uh, doers of the word and not hearers only, James wrote. Joseph was a sensitive man. He was a silent man. Wow, that silence was unique and powerful. Finally, number three, Joseph was strong. He was a strong man. It's not just that he had a deep spirituality. He had a mystic sense of God's word coming to him and did nothing about it. Knowing the hard work needed to be done in order to accomplish God's plan, Joseph was the man to do it. He was a strong man. I'm just going to make some observations from Joseph's life that indicate he was a strong man. Back in Matthew chapter 1, verse 24, he was raised from sleep. He did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him. He took unto him his wife and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Just some observations, not necessarily all from this text, but from the life of Joseph. First of all, Joseph was a carpenter. He was used to that manual labor. He worked hard on a daily basis. Not only that, he passed on that trade to Jesus. That was the custom of the ancient Jews. Even a boy who was going to be trained to be a rabbi, he had to learn a a trade, and that's an excellent, excellent plan. To the point where Jesus was later on referred to as the carpenter's son in one scripture and simply as the carpenter in another scripture. And uh, pass that on to Jesus. And I just wonder, what kind of a work ethic will you pass on to your children? Mr. Forster and I last night were taking a quick opportunity to commiserate about the uh, uh, remodeling projects that we both have in our homes and then to reflect on how we've uh, learned so much from our fathers and we're now passing that on to our little sons and they're learning to do that kind of work around the house. But, uh, you know, one of these days not too remote, you're going to have children of your own. You're going to pass on your work ethic to them. Do you really think that you want your children to have the work ethic that you have right now? Joseph was a strong man. You know, Joseph, a second observation, did the difficult task of taking Mary as his wife. You know the situation, what everyone in the community would have assumed about Mary when she was discovered to be expecting a child. And when Joseph said, I'm going to take her and marry her, you know that everyone would have assumed that uh, Joseph was involved in that situation to the point where 30 years later, people were still pointing at Jesus and saying, we're not born of fornication like you were. So that's a burden that Jesus had to bear. That's a burden that Mary had to bear, but that's a burden that Joseph chose to carry. Do you choose to take other people's problems, other people's burdens, and carry them as your own? Joseph did. He was a strong man. Notice, please, this verse we just read in Matthew 1, verse 25, another observation. The scripture says, Joseph took Mary as his wife, but he knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son. Joseph was very careful in his relationship with Mary, going beyond instructions that he was given. So he not only followed the instructions that he was given, but the angel never said anything about this. Uh, that's mentioned in verse 25, and yet Joseph recognized the magnitude of God's plan was far greater than his own plans, and he was very careful. He was very careful. Now, how about us? 
How would this story have been different if this, this were you or this were me? Are we the kind of people who have to be told every single move to make? Given instructions about every little thing? Are we driven by our own interests, our own desires, or do we recognize the magnitude of God's plan and go a step beyond what we've been explicitly told to do? Letter C, at least in my notes, I don't know, we're probably on number three. <clears throat> we're told that Mary chose to travel with Joseph to Bethlehem for the census. Mary was not required to make that trip at all. And she chose to be with Joseph because that's the kind of man he was. Uh, about a hundred miles, a difficult journey for a woman who's nearly full term in a pregnancy. Just very difficult to imagine that. And yet jo uh, Mary said, I want to be with Joseph. Are you the kind of person that people can rely on? The kind of person that people know if you've been given a job, it's going to happen? You're dependable in that way? I also observe... Who helped to deliver the baby? Well, Joseph. Joseph. And I don't want to dwell on that point, except just to say, wow, a difficult task, and there he was. So many of us, I'm afraid, when we're given a job like that, something that's outside of our job description, we just put our hands in our pockets, shrug our shoulders, and say, can't do it, can't help, sorry, too busy. I don't know how to do that, and I'm not going to take the time to figure it out either. Joseph was a strong man. He moved his family to Egypt and back again. Literally, on a, on a moment's notice, the angel appeared to him in the middle of the night and said, you're in danger. Take the family. Go to Egypt right now. How would the story have been different if uh, Joseph had the habit of hitting the snooze button? As often as some of us do, if Joseph had said, okay, okay, family's in danger. Move them to Egypt. All right, I'll do it tomorrow. Not really fair to mention that this morning, is it? Mm, when half of us didn't even go to sleep until sometime this morning. But you know, the will of God doesn't wait for a good day. The will of God doesn't wait for you to feel well, feel rested, feel healthy. Don't wait till you feel like it. Joseph, in the middle of the night, on a moment's notice, just packed him up and went. Again, you see, this is the man that God can trust. He had to know that this man was going to be trustworthy when given instructions, he would just obey. And finally, Joseph took the responsibility of rearing God incarnate. I can't even fathom that. I can't, I can't describe that. I can't explain that. But he did it. You know, every great plan eventually resolves itself into hard work. Even God's eternal plan of redemption eventually just came down to hard work. Jesus Christ did that hard work. Mary did that hard work. But Joseph, he was the man who was willing to do the hard things when they needed to be done. Harry Truman is credited with this quote, it is amazing what you can accomplish if you do not care who gets the credit. Jonathan Swift, the author, said, I never knew a man of greatness or eminence who lay in bed late in the morning. I'll say that one more time. Some of you are still sleeping. I never knew a man of greatness or eminence who lay in bed late in the morning. Thomas Edison said, people don't recognize opportunity because it wears overalls and looks a lot like hard work. <laughs> so he was a strong man. It wasn't just spirituality, it was character. And you know, my friend, we, 
We don't need to hear from you about the spirit-filled life and your deep walk with Jesus if you're not able to fulfill responsibilities. I'm not saying that it's impossible for you to have a walk with the Lord, but you're not the one we need to hear from. If you can't get things done on time, if you can't keep your room clean and your bed made, you don't need to let us know about your deep spiritual walk. Here's a man who had both. He had the spiritual walk. He had the strength of character, both. He was a great man. He was a trustworthy man. You say, well, where's his legacy? Where is the legacy of Joseph? He's such a great man. I mean, George Washington has a monument. Abraham Lincoln has a statue. Where's Joseph's legacy? I'll show it to you. You ready? Look. You have a hymnal near you, right? And a songbook. <clears throat> yes. Alex has one. He's going to help me with this. You know, what we have here is a collection of well-known, traditional, conservative hymns. And in these two books, there are 33 Christmas songs. 33. 126 stanzas. Conservative, traditional, well-known, well-loved Christmas songs. How often is Joseph mentioned? In those 33 songs and 126 stanzas, how often is Joseph mentioned? Do you know? One time. In the third phrase of the fourth verse, an obscure offhand reference is made to Joseph. That's interesting. We sing about Mary, we sing about the shepherds, we sing about the wise men, we sing about the star. Do you know we sing more about the sheep at Christmas time <laughs> than we sing about Joseph? But let me ask you this, who is, none of these songs are about Joseph, but who is every one of these songs about? His son. That's his legacy. You have a Bible with you today, right? No words of Joseph are recorded in that Bible, but do you know that two of Joseph's sons wrote books of those Bible, uh, books of that Bible? Two. More than any other father in human history, Joseph had two sons who wrote Scripture, and of course one son who is himself the living word. So all around the world, people remember, reflect on, and revere his sons, while they forget him. And I think that's exactly the way that he would want it. That's Joseph's legacy. I hope to meet this man someday. I don't know how eternity works. I hope to make his acquaintance. What a remarkable man. Dependable, responsible, trustworthy, the man that God the Father said is worthy to take care of his own son. How about us? Are we concerned more about fair treatment? <clears throat> Do we want our name to be recognized? What's our position? A little bit lazy, not really willing to do the hard work? Let's take the example of Joseph today and make it our own. Let's bow for prayer. And I just want to take a moment as we're bowing together and give you an opportunity to respond. <clears throat>